Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? And thanks for joining me for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. And today we got an extra special episode today. We got my nephew Levi on the air with me, and he'd never heard of a podcast. Do you know what podcast is, Levi? No. Nope. <laughs> That's funny. And so what did I say to you? Uh, I, I tried to explain to you what a podcast is, and I said, um, it's just something where I talk about ducks, and people just listen. I said, do you believe that? What would you say? I don't know. <laughs> he said, no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> so uh, that's funny. It was just funny way, a funny way for you to answer. But, yeah, so this is a podcast. This is my podcast. Did you know I had a podcast before today? Yeah. You did? Okay, but you've watched the videos and all that, too. So um, he's if you guys are a long time, a hardcore, what do you want to call it? Like, if you've paid a lot of attention to the videos, you've probably seen him here or there. He's came on some hunts. He sat in on some hunts. Um, we filmed, and he shot his first turkey this spring. Um, so he was nine years old when he shot the turkey. Now he's 10. Um, so he's getting a good, solid foundation in the hunting world. I'm excited about having him on um, some of these hunts and, and getting him out there. He's shooting a single shot 410. He had a single shot 410 today, um, running some three inch of the Boss Bismuth, giving it, giving uh, the ducks all they can handle. So, anyways, Levi, um, how many times do you know how many times you've been out this season? Um, four times. Four times. Four or five. Four or five. Yep, something like that. I didn't count either, but um, you've been through quite a few um, and. Every time except for one hunt, you've got to shoot the gun, right? No. No? Oh, yeah, there was one. Right, there's once where you didn't get to shoot the gun. So, um, but anyways, let me just get I mean, get your first perspective of a hunting season. You've been out there. Like, what do you think of duck season, of, of duck hunting? Well, it started out pretty bad, but now it's turning better, so... Yeah, but is like in general, what do you think of duck hunting? I think it's great. It's great. <laughs> How's it rank compared to like turkey hunting? Um, I don't know. Which one do you like better? Do you know? Probably duck hunting. Probably duck hunting. Why is that? What's what's so good about duck hunting? I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> Just a little bit more action. You don't have to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your favorite part of duck hunting? Probably the shooting. The shooting? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Everybody loves, especially when you first start, loves pulling the trigger. Does that, that 410 kick pretty hard on you, or how's that feel? Not really. It doesn't really kick that hard. Nice. Nice. So today, we finally got to bag your first duck. So how'd that make you feel? Um, I felt pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it almost feels better when you got to work for it. You know, it wasn't easy. We went out on youth opener. You probably got to pull the trigger like four or five times in that. All those ducks, um, none of them. We couldn't we couldn't land any of them. Um, you got that uh, trade off where it's like hide versus like giving you a good opportunity for a shot. 
you're sitting in the front of the canoe and some stuff. I kind of had you pushed out to the front and the birds were like hovering over the decoys, but just not quite landing, which is a little bit harder of a shot, especially for a new guy. First time you're shooting, all you've done is pretty much practice for turkey hunting. And then we took off the red dot, gave you the iron sights, and now you're trying to shoot some uh, birds that are moving. So um, that's always a little tougher. Like I said, we got like five shots on that first hunt. That was, that was a lot of fun, but um, didn't quite get one down. So then throughout the season here, there, you've got to come with, you know, um, sat you there with a 410 again, you know, um, some of those hunts were just like, we had a few birds here and there and none of them landed. So you're shooting at eight birds that are decoying in, but just not landing feet down today was the day though. Um, why don't you, you know, do you want to tell them like how the day started as far, like start off from like when we got to the spot. So we're set up, we're getting ready to go, and what happens? Well, um, do we just start when we were going, or no? Just start when we we're at the spot. We're at the spot. So we were at the spot. Um, we had to load the boat in, and yeah, let's skip. Let's skip ahead. And by what I mean, like at the spot, we're like at the duck spot, right? We're hit up in the branches. Okay, so from there, like we're sitting there, and you're waiting for me to load your your four ten, and what happens? Ducks just start flying. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And how'd you feel about that? I was like, that was fast. Right, they're just they're just coming in there. So a little bit of a a little bit of a prefix to that. We, I had a headlight out, and I knew about it, and one of those things where I procrastinate getting it fixed. Sure enough, we're on the way to the duck spot. And, you know, we kind of left just enough time to get there and uh, we get pulled over. So <laughs> I get pulled over and then, um, you know, have to find the registration, the license, insurance, all that kind of stuff. Um, takes a while. He runs it through the computer, whatever, you know, the general stuff. So it pretty much just says get the headlight fixed and be on your way. So cool. You know, uh, great encounter with law enforcement. I'll get my headlight fixed. Great, great deal. So but the thing that it was <laughs> the only dampener to the the whole thing is it took a while to get get through that and get back going to the spot so by the time we get there we're rushing and you know getting everything set ready i don't have my gun loaded yet i don't have his gun loaded yet and um sure enough here the birds start dumping in so we're sitting there it's a few minutes till shooting light and um actually it's like one minute till shooting light i think and we have some birds on the water we can't see them it's, it's a overcast day we could barely see him on the water, but then what happens after that, Levi? Then, um, one minute later, like a couple minutes later, it starts getting lighter, and we just see a bunch of birds, like, just flying in. Right, right. And so, by this time, you're loaded, you get your gun in your hand, and, um, they, I mean, they land, like, right next to the decoys, right? Then we start shooting. Right. <laughs> So it took you a few, a few tries to to knock one down, you know, your water swat. Pretty much we were like, okay, they land, let you water swat, and then we, we started shooting, me and uh, your uncle, um, as after you shot. So, um, but yeah, it was just like one right after the other. Was your heart pumping? Yeah. How fast? Was it like pumping fast or like, how'd you feel? Did you like feel jittery or nervous or confident? I was kind of excited, but at the same time, I was kind of like, are we going to get our guns loaded fast enough? <laughs> you did have to keep reminding me. I would re- I would remember to load mine. You're like, um, 
I need another shell in my single shot. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I mean, they were coming in so fast that I was running the Weatherby SXX, the side by side. um, And yeah, running that. So I have a break action. I got to pop mine open, put two shells in. Then I got to break open your 410 because it's a little tough. Um, I think it's a Henry. I can't remember what it was, what brand it is. I bought it like $150 from Sportsman Warehouse just to get a, a little 410 for turkey season for him. Um, but it's a break action on it. It's a little tough, honestly, to for him even to open, right? You, it's, a, it's a little tough for you to get and I've put only, another shell. I've only opened it twice. Right. So um, I kept loading you up, and as, as quick as I got you loaded up, I mean, what was going on? Ducks were just flying in. Right. It was awesome. Right. Like, so how do you feel like when you see those mallards? Just like you can hear them, you hear, you hear them just chuckling, and then you see them like come over the trees, and then they cup it. Like, how does that make you feel? I'm like, are they gonna land? Are we gonna get them? Or I'm just have a bunch of thoughts running through my head. <laughs> right, right. And today was the day. I mean, it's just one of those days where everything worked out really good. We're running a small spread. I had the motion ducks out there. Um, and then I think five other decoys and one black duck. I had four, so eight mallards and one black duck. Um, and just pulling that jerk rig. I mean, they'd circle one time, maybe twice, and then they would just dump right in. So our hide was good. Um, the birds were coming in good. Everything, I was excited about that. Um, and they would just land right in the decoys. And like I said, I mean, they're coming in like perfect groups that, um, that we could uh, get on. I'm pretty sure. You know, at the end of the hunt, um, you you definitely hit quite a few, <laughs> um, and you probably you killed one or two. That's what we know for sure. I saw one for sure that you killed, um, where you shot it and he flew like thirty forty yards. It must have been the four ten, and then he landed and belly up. He was dead. So um, you water swatted him. He picked up, flew, and then landed. Nobody else shot at that one. So some of the other ones you water swatted and shot, and we, I think we might have split on some of those. Um, but yeah, it's awesome to know for sure you got that one big fat green head, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So we got them cooking. What are we cooking tonight? Duck, chicken, and noodles. Yep. Yep. So it's going to be the duck. We're going to shred up the duck and put it with some noodles. We got um, the rest of your family coming over and my family, and we're going to we're going to provide for them. We got the duck cooking up. We're going to smoke some chicken. Um, the wife's going to make some mashed potatoes, so we'll have a good old feast with duck and noodles, chicken, and mashed potatoes. So it's uh, it's awesome to be able to add um, some fresh food. that we, I mean, literally, we shot it this morning, cleaned it, and we'll eat it for supper. I don't think I've ever eaten something the same day. <laughs> right. How do you feel about it? You feel, do you feel like accomplished that you got your duck and then also it's going to help feed everybody? Yeah. Yep. Good job, man. I'm proud of you. That was awesome. Yeah. So you got any uh, other thoughts about the hunt or how do you, how do you feel about duck hunter? Are you hooked for life? Yeah. Yep. So you're, are you a duck hunter, a deer hunter, a turkey hunter or what? What are you? I like hunting whatever. You like hunting whatever? That's not bad. That's not bad. I'm a duck hunter and then I like to do all the other stuff too. So I'll say that I'm a duck hunter. Here's your last chance to say the right answer. Are you a duck hunter? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know yet. You don't know yet. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not trying to pressure you. I'm. I'll take you for whatever, man. I'm just glad to get you out there. I'm glad you're excited about it. You. Uh, you've made it through some slow days. You made it through some skunks. You made it through. Now we had an awesome hunt for you, and um, you know more to come. So, 
All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that little segment. Uh, I'm going to get a quick word from our partners. We'll get Hunter on for the main meat of the podcast. And yeah, we'll see you guys here in a bit. All righty, fellas. First off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks is the jerk rig on steroids. I've been using a ton here in late season. We just had been on the last podcast before this one. If you missed it, definitely. You definitely want to go back and listen to it. Um, he does a great job on there. I'm talking about all the pros to the motion ducks and man, uh, we definitely can agree with him on all fronts there. Uh, we've been running it, been loving it. Um, just had a great hunt where I ran a small spread with no wind, um, in a small timber hole and had the ducks landing right at our feet. So, uh, guys, that motion ducks is second to none. The best way to get those, um, birds finishing in late season. So go to motionducks.com slash duck gun chronicles you get the free anchor bag you can also use the code duck gun 10 over there and get uh 10 off as well for the ultimate spreader they have other options as well other products we heard all about that in the last podcast so definitely check them out guys you won't regret it um also like to give a big thanks to final approach guys final final approach is the one-stop shop for the duck hunter they got decoys they got waders they got a-frames they call the sub three blind um they got Layout blinds. You guys know I don't lay out blind hunt that much, but they got that kind of stuff. Um, here in late season, I've been gearing up for getting ready for goose season. They have a great selection of goose hunting products. They have the last pass um, goose decoys. Uh, they have the live honker. The, those are the big ones with the flocked heads. Um, so they have they have a bunch of different options. They have butt, uh, butt up goose floaters. They have the feeder or the heads under the water. All those combined, you can make a really good, realistic spread. And if you're setting up on a sandbar, I like to run um, the silhouettes as well. So anyways, check out, guys. Check out FA over there. You can use code um, DuckGun at FABrand.com and get 10% off over there on um, all your hunting supplies. also like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Guess Weatherby, um, I'm doing the giveaway. Actually, that's one of the questions for tonight. I'm doing the giveaway for their waterfowl shotgun, the Weatherby element. They also have the 18i. And uh, honestly, my favorite is the Orion SXS. I'm getting better at saying that. It's not a tongue twister anymore. But uh, <laughs> um, the side-by-side, it's just so much fun. It's so much fun. Uh, they specifically designed that side-by-side with waterfowl. Um, in mind, opposed to most of the ones you see where it's set up for upland. This one's an, an excellent waterfowl shotgun. So, um, guys, they're known for their excellence in rifles, and now they're known for their excellent excellence in waterfowl shotguns as well. Um, also, like to give a big thanks to, we got one more, Onyx. That's right here on my hat. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> guys, Onyx has a great app for the duck hunter. Um, I, I, every time I'm hunting me and my buddy, Kevin, we, we go back and forth a lot, sending each other pens, trying to find new spots to hunt. Um, and it's just an amazing tool. One for communication, one to like, remember those spots, find the pens, um, organization while you're out there, they have tools, the distance thing they have, uh, um, they have the uh, recent imagery. We're always checking water levels. Um, it's only like a week or two out of date. So it's way better than like, uh, looking at, a photo from this summer when you're going to go into a hole. Um, like right now there's a spot that we really want to try public land right off a of big lake. Um, the summer image, you know, real dry, doesn't look great, but you look back at the, the recent imagery right off the river and there's a hidden hole. That's probably going to be a, a hidden gem if I had to guess. Um, so 
haven't we haven't gotten there yet. But all those all that being said, um, it's just a constant use for the duck hunter um, from everything that it provides. So definitely check that out. All right, we are ready for um, the Q and A. But first, before we get into it, Hunter, mm-hmm. I have to ask you. Um, I have to ask you for your reaction to to the intro of the podcast talking about my nephew getting on his first duck. Wow, well, it was pretty exciting. I mean, it's always good good deal seeing younger guys getting on birds and being excited about it. I mean, you were sending me some Marcos and stuff as you guys were cleaning the birds, and he definitely definitely seemed excited. So that's right. it's always a good thing. I think right. the a uh, little bit nervous probably going on the podcast and talking about it a little bit, but oh yeah, <laughs> right. His first time on there. It's funny because afterwards he kept telling everybody, oh, "I was on a podcast," <laughs> telling all the different family members and this and that. I was on a podcast, and so I don't know. I got a kick out of it. I got, it was it's it's like I said, it's super fun seeing youth, especially your family. Um, getting after it and, and seeing him kind of, um, get that excitement to, to be chasing the waterfowl. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. keep working on him as like, uh, as, as what am I trying to say as becoming a better waterfowler, you know, it's, you know, but it's, I, I think it's something that he'll be hooked for, uh, for duck hunting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if I had to say anything about it, it was definitely wholesome as the, the specific word that I would use, right. yeah. but. Oh yeah. It's yeah, something that's just like, you know, innocent about I mean, he's ten years old and you know, he's he's uh he's a well mannered young man, like you know, it's <laughs> like so it, it's definitely you're right. It's it's that that's a great word for it for sure. So all right. So the podcast, the main meat of the podcast today is Q and A, one of our favorites. You ask, we answer. Um, and I dropped some I dropped uh, a post in the fellowship of the duck gun, our Facebook group for the podcast. And also on my Instagram, I got some coming too. So we're going to hit up as many as we can. We'll probably shoot for, um, you know, a certain time frame. We'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll do our best to get through as many as we can, but as usual, you guys uh, dumped a whole bunch of questions in here. So a lot of fun things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's just go every other down the list. All right. Sound good. Yeah. Go first. All right. We got Josh. Jowler. I'm just gonna I'm sorry if I put you your name, but uh <laughs> There's no what joke should we all be <laughs> all use? Okay. Um what choke should we all use? I would say, you know, it depends on the person. Um I think the jury's still on it. Some people say, hey, if you use like a full choke, clean kill or clean miss, you know, you don't have um birds that you're hitting with less pellets that would be like on the side of your spread. Um, but I'm not really a big fan of that. I think that if you take um, closer shots with like a modified choke, it's kind of your best all around choke. It gives you some room for air. And I don't know. That's just the one I prefer. So hmm. is there some science behind the clean miss, clean kill with the full choke? I mean, it sounds reasonable. Is there some science between, b- behind if you're shooting like improved cylinder all the time? that um, you're going to cripple some more birds than you would with modified? Probably. I'd really probably think so. Um, with my side-by-side, I will tell you my selection, and I have full modified improved cylinder and maybe even improved modified. Uh, but my choices for are modified and improved cylinder because you get you got two barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shoot improved cylinder first and then mod- modified because... You'd uh, imagine the birds are going to get a little further out in your second shot. It's done pretty well for me. 
So yeah, uh, that would be my choices. Uh, my choices are a little bit different. So I grew up shooting pattern masters, which like kind of got a bad rap the last couple of years, but I shot them for a long time and liked them. But now I've switched over to a choke tube. It's called Mueller, Muller, M-U-L-L-E-R. Yeah, I've seen them before. And it, I patterned it with the shells that I was using compared to the pattern master. I had less flyers and like, I like it overall. I would agree though, um, on the modified, generally speaking, there's like a saying in trap shooting choke for smoke. So you choke for a full. But, you know, I do prefer to shoot a modified when I'm shooting a normal, or I'm going to call it normal choke tube when you're not shooting a pattern master or Mueller or like the kicks high flyers, anything like that. Gotcha. Yeah. We could dive into that, uh, um, pattern master thing because, mm-hmm. uh, surviving duck season, what's his name? Um, oh, Joel, Joel Strickland. Joel Strickland. Yeah. He did a whole video on it. Honestly, they're like really long and mm-hmm. probably worth a lot of people liked them probably worth uh, the watch, but. I'll actually admit that I uh, haven't made it all the way through them, but it should be on my short list to, to watch them, to be honest. You know, some great camera work and a oh, lot yeah. of deep dive into it. But, like, the thing is, you've said, like, Pattermaster got a bad rap, and I'm pretty sure it's from some of those videos oh, from yeah. what I've heard. And But, like, the people I know that shoot Pattermaster all are, like, really good shots. So, um, <laughs> which is, like, okay. So, like, you know, makes you wonder if there's if there's more to the story than, like, what they got from one study. Yeah, I mean, when we switched from Pattern Master, now this is total bro science, no like actual thing behind it. So was mine, by the way. (laughs) So when we switched to Pattern Master, I I felt like we did better, right? Now, there's something to be said about placebos. And like, you feel like you're going to be doing better. So you're taking more confident shots, you know, you're doing. So like, I I don't know. And like over time, I think it's kind of gone away. Yeah. And then, you know, you spend $100 on a choke tube, which is you know, shotguns now are getting more expensive, but at, at the time, you know, a hundred dollar choke tube was a third of the cost of my entire gun. So like, right. you know, you, you feel like you should be getting a hundred dollars worth out of your choke, but right. I don't know. I, like I said, we switched to them a long time ago. I've shot them. I probably shot one for like 10 years and then, uh, recently switched back to just shooting normal, uh, the normal modified chokes and then now i've switched to the molars now after i patterned it i think the the real answer to this is pattern your gun and figure out what patterns will because like a full choke out of some guns with steel it can't actually get all the steel through the choke and it causes some weird weird shot stuff sometimes i know that from experience but right you just got to well, pattern I think it. part of the pattern master thing too is that it's going to pattern well but it's a longer shot string so yeah right. but you know we're talking if you watch the full video, we're talking <laughs> milliseconds and like, you know, sure. not enough to matter. Right. Essentially. Okay. So, yeah, I have, you know, like I said, I don't know. If, I can't remember if I watched the full thing. All I'll say is my buddy that shoots him is like, what, like out of all the people I hunt with, he's, he's always, he literally, I think he keeps like a full choke, um, pattern master in there. He's like one of the best shots of all the people mm-hmm. I hunt with. So, oh yeah, it can't be that bad. That's all I know. No, I mean, uh, it's a good choke. Like I said, I used it for a long time and had a lot of success. Just, you got to try stuff every once in a while. Right. All right, Josh Jolner. <laughs> there's still no L. That's the same guy. There's still no L. <laughs> there's no L. I said H. Jolner. Okay, there you go. Jolner. Okay, there we go. Can we or can we not hunt the roost? Um, you 100% can hunt the roost. Now, <laughs> oh, it makes people mad. Probably. Uh, but can you hunt the roost? So here's the thing, man. Uh, I've, 
if you hunt, uh, if you hunt around people, especially in late season, that hunt fields. If you hunt the river, that's considered hunting the roost. When I first started hunting, I didn't realize. Like I honestly didn't even realize that's what people meant. But if you just hunt the river, it's the roost, um, and they're field hunters. So that's tough, man. It's public land. It's legal. It's frowned upon by field hunters. It's not frowned upon by water hunters, right? And I'll say that I'm a water hunter more than I'm a field hunter, but I understand the dilemma. So can you? Yes. Is it frowned upon in certain areas? Yes. Is there a right or wrong answer? Man, I really think you can hunt the roost. I, I, I'm trying to tiptoe around it, but I, I think you can. <laughs> Hunter, go ahead and tell me. All right. So my my thought is, is that if you're talking public ground, then the roost is kind of fair game. Like around us, we're, I'm right on the Mississippi. There's literally hundreds of miles of roost, right? And it's broken up by lots of different refuges that the birds can go. If you find a roost on public ground, you're probably good to go to go hunt it. All of our marshes are roost spots. Everybody hunts them every day. People are still successful at shooting birds. I think where it gets different is if there's a roost pond away and there's like one specific pond that birds roost on, all the birds get out of the pond and go hunt, go fly fields. Then it's probably frowned upon to hunt the roost. But if you have permission to hunt it and the birds are coming into it, you, you ain't going to get mad from me. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know certain people right. get mad about it and stuff. But again, like if you got the you got the good hunt, I think a, I said something. Uh, Elliot said it on those podcasts about a comment that I left about it. And he was essentially it was that when people get mad that you hunted the roost, they're essentially just ticked that you had a good hunt and they didn't in my opinion. And you know, it's just, right. I'd say go hunt it, go have a good time. But again, we sure. hunt mostly public here and public land around here. If you, if you find a good roost and you don't hunt it, someone else will tomorrow. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's definitely true. So like, for instance, though, I'm like, it's, it's kind of funny because I know there's spots where I hunt the, the river and like, there's a big roost in other places that I don't hunt. And I know if I hunt the river, like near those, I'll have like good hunts and I can go hunt the river, but I won't go into like these certain spots that are the roost, which essentially I'm kind of doing the same thing that the field hunters are doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then when somebody goes into that spot and hunts the roost, then my other river spot, you know, isn't Mm -hmm. as good or it can cool off for a couple of weeks or whatever, you know, until the birds start coming Coming back. back. So, yeah, it kind of is what it is. It kind of is what it is. Um, I don't get upset when they do it, um, as, as much as the, the field hunters do. Um, so yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that it'll ever not be like a hot button topic of yeah. field hunters versus water and roost hunters and well, um, vice versa. And, and again, it also comes down to like bird numbers, right? So I was sitting in a field yesterday, goose hunting and someone else hunted right on a roost. They didn't hunt the roost because it's illegal, but they hunted the field 20 yards away from the roost. So in my opinion, that's hunting the roost. And they kicked the birds off about a half hour before season, which were all the birds that were using my field. But we have like 12 roost ponds in the area. So like just because they kicked them off of that roost, there's still 20,000 other geese in the area that are from the five other roost ponds that are within a mile of me. So like you're still right. going to get birds yeah. in my area. Yep. Yep. Every, every area is definitely different. Mm-hmm. So, um, we got Matt Miller says best decoy setups placement for early and late season, man, we could do a whole episode on that. And then also he says, let's start a fight with 12 gauge is better than 10 gauge. So, I think he should have said that the other way fight. around. 
What? I think you should have said that the other way around. I think we've already determined that 12 gauge is better than 10. How many people you know that shoot a 10? Yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> we'll take 10s out once a year for a goose hunt just for funds. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know if there's much of a fight there. I, if and I, He puts, like, a laughy face, so I'm not a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's better than going to um the tiny sub gauges <laughs> i don't know if that's true to be honest <laughs> i think it's equally as ridiculous you think a 10 gauge is equally as ridiculous as shooting a 28 now that's a hot topic <laughs> i do yeah huh i disagree i think it's way less ridiculous to shoot a 10 I, if someone pulls out a 10 out of their case and i'm in a blind with them i'm not saying respect i'm saying that like i'm not making fun of you for it i'm making fun of you for carrying a cannon but if you pull out a 20 gauge, I'm asking like, sure. you know, Let's, you bring your, bring your panties with you, you know, like what else we got in that bag, right. a blind bag? Well, it's like, you know, the big truck compensating kind of thing. Mm. Um, but let's, you know, we'll keep it family friendly. So, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say like the, yeah, I just think it's equal. I should say it's equally as unnecessary. Hmm. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> the decoy oh, placement. Okay. So best decoy setup placement for early and late season man that is so um it's so specific or so it's so broad that's the opposite of specific so broad because there's so many different um habitats and scenarios and we're talking ducks we're talking geese we're talking marsh we're talking field so honestly we're gonna have to leave that we we should do that a whole podcast on that so we'll we'll put that on our list for a whole podcast you want to know what the uh but the catch all on that is sure, the, one, the 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 decoy spread that works. Find right. one that works and use it. Right. Yep. <laughs> um Josh, again, man. Uh Josh, you got a lot of questions here. Uh, <laughs> what's better? The Nelly Nova or the eight seventy? So I've I haven't hunted with either one of those, mm. believe it or not. So that's on you, Hunter. I've hunted with both of them. And I would choose an old 870. If you can find like an older Wingmaster, uh, one of the older model ones before like that, I don't know, it was like the mid 2000s, Remington got bought out. And after that, the 870s are kind of trash. They, uh, they're just not great. I mean, you can like visually look at them until they're not built to the same quality. I choose an old 870. I don't like the Novas. They don't fit me right. They don't swing right. I don't like pump guns anyways, but if I had to choose one, I'd go with an 870. All righty. Um, Aaron says opening day strategy, go then the day before midnight, 3am, 6am, 10am, 1pm. Um, yeah, I would say you don't want to miss opening morning. Um, for sure. So, um, I'm going to say midnight, we're going to (laughs) go, we're going to sleep at the spot. Mm. It might be earlier than midnight. It all depends on your area, but, um, yeah, we almost always sleep at the spot for openers. All right. I'd say as early as your spot legally allows. So like public marshes here say it's 1201. The river here is 2 a.m. So like whatever spot, you know, whatever is legally allowable for opening days, especially if you've scouted and there's a spot you want to go. If you don't really care and you want to just enjoy the hunt and listen to the listen to the banging, then you can go in a little bit later. But personally, I hate the feeling of having a spot I want to go to and then not being able to go there. Like nothing right. irks me more than that in the morning. So I always, I'm always first one at a landing. So I'd go as early as you legally can. 
and I would try to get out of a hunt early enough to take a nap and then hunt the afternoon if you don't shoot your limits. I've had a lot of success hunting the afternoon hunts and, you know, doing pretty decent at them when I'm like able to, you know, if you've like taken a nap and able to go back out. Right. Or sometimes you just stay in the marsh all day. Mm-hmm. We've done that too. Yes. And you can take, we've, we can take, you can take, take a nap on the boat or something like that. Yep. If you need to. Aaron also asked, does the bus stink as bad as I imagine? Actually, no. It smells great. It smells, have you ever been anywhere that um, has a wood burning stove in it? Like just a house that has a wood burning stove in it or a shop. Um, they all smell great. So that's what the bus smells like. You would think. That was honestly one of my worries. You get a lot of wet hunting gear in there. We've had wet dogs in there. All kinds of stuff, but you can't smell anything but the strong aroma of a wood wood burning stove. So <laughs> everything, I mean, everything has that smoke smell just infused into it. So that's a you know, I almost I almost take offense to the question, but I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> oh, I would have totally guessed like, like three dudes in a bus for a weekend with wet gear. I would have imagined that would stink. I'm gonna be honest. Right, right. And a tin can rolling down the interstate, like. <laughs> that's what i would assume i know the wood the wood burning stove is probably a lifesaver on that mm-hmm. um, so also competition between you and elliot where the loser gets a beard shave um and what's the competition you know honestly that's came up more than once and we both agreed that we'd never shave our beards <laughs> so um we, could, we couldn't be seen with a naked face <laughs> sure i think it'd be funny i mean you just got to find one that's worth uh worth shaving a beard about right wrestling match again wrestling match again yeah i think it's who can make a better uh what does he call the thing like ugly baby spinner or whatever the heck that thing is no i'm not a fan of freak baby (laughs) freak baby that's what it is yeah i'm not a fan so Uh, it's uh it's a little creepy oh just a little okay (laughs) It's a little off-putting is the right word. Like, uh, I just don't, uh, I don't find the humor in it as much as some people do. I think I so. find the humor in it that it bothers you. That's what I find the humor. in. That's fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll be that part of the humor, but I'm just like, um, like I can get like into jokes a lot, but for whatever reason, when that one, I just like just something inside of me, like, that, uh, it's like squirms. Like, I don't, you know, like, I don't know. It's not that I'm like, a, like, uh, like I have a fear, a phobia of, of, of baby dolls that you find in the marsh. I just, you should, don't. Uh, I don't though, but like, it's like, I don't have, uh, cause there's no like real fear to that. Right. Yeah. But it just weirds me out. Uh, the thought of carrying that around and I don't know. So I understand like Elliot gets some, he has some humor sides where he just can't stop laughing. And that's one of them. But for me, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, trip my trigger. So how many, we got Scott right here. How many decoys on average is enough? Um, again, we probably will cover this in our decoy spread episode, but um, for me, and I know you hunt a lot of areas similar to me, man, like enough decoys can be like seven or eight. Um, it's that if I had to, if I had to pick one spread to hunt for the rest of my life, it would probably be like like four honkers and seven mallards or something like mm. that. If I, I think my to, mine would be a ahead. little bit bigger. I think I'd go with two dozen would be like if I had to like choose decoys that I could only hunt with for the rest of my life, I would have two dozen mix of mallards and pintails. 
and no honkers. What about geese, man? You'll never land a goose for the rest of your life. Man, I've shot five geese this year. All of them were in a field. I don't need any goose floaters. Mm, okay. I didn't even own goose floaters until about a month ago. Just keep that in mind. Right. So if you if you field hunt, I'm sure it'd be different. But as a water mm-hmm. hunter and the rest of the season, I have I've had years where I've shot like over 50 geese. Yeah. And, you know, more than half of them were on the water. Mm. So it's definitely something where I need some goose floaters. It's like for the rest of your life, you're never going to be able to shoot a floater on the water with that spread. It's that's fine. It doesn't with me. bother you. Okay. No. I mean, like I, yeah. most days, I don't even bring goose floaters with me. I think I See? brought goose floaters on two hunts this year. I think I hunted 40 plus times in a water and I hunted with goose floaters twice. Right. Well, your season's over now. Well, it's not for geese, though. Not for geese. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you could get away with like silhouettes or something like that, but that kind of defeats the purpose of like the one set for the rest yeah. of your life. Um, yeah. I mean, if we're talking puddle ducks, I'm taking two dozen. Nice, nice mallards and pintails. What Maybe. about your no wind days, though? What do you mean? What about my no winds? I was just using motion ducks. Yeah, I, well, if you're using motion ducks, I, for me, two dozen is still too many. Well, Unless nothing says all... I have to bring all two dozen. I mean, I put like four no, or no, five dozen. Is, deep. This is yeah. This is you can only you can't use less. Oh, well, if I can only use, I'd be taking a dozen. Okay, there and it'd be, be it'd be s- six mallards four pentails and two black ducks. <laughs> okay. There That'd be it. Respectable. I, I can go with that. Um, we got Weston. Um, do you, uh, what do you do? What, oh, man, I messed that up. Okay. What do you do to get yourself out of a shooting slump? Um, <laughs> okay. So there's a few drills. Um, first thing, sometimes almost all the time, it's a mental it's a mental thing, right? 100%. I feel like if you, it's a mental thing because you know that you, your mind knows how to do that calculation, put you on the bird and kill him. Especially I, I know Weston. So he's, he's an avid hunter, uh, just like us. I hunt a lot. So he knows how to kill ducks. Right. Um, so he knows his brain knows how to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a mental slump. It's a mental block, whatever it is. Um, and you got to find a way to break that. One of the, the pro tips I'd say for myself on this is to, um, switch guns, <laughs> just switch to another gun. If you're having a mental, a mental block, um, something about like having to be more direct in your approach about pulling the trigger and aiming, opposed to like going through the motions and like not getting your head on the stock or pulling up or pulling or whatever it is, or not leading the bird right, you know, switch to a 20 gauge or switch to, you know, something that's totally different, totally different sight picture. Um, if, if that's possible, if you have two guns, right, you mm-hmm. could just be for a hunt and then you could go back. Um, and, and the other thing is like, you just have to shoot birds. Like sometimes you get on these slumps where you're only having like two or three come in and you whiff and that's it, right? That's your hunt. And you have that for four or five hunts in a row. And it's like you're not getting any practice. It's just you actually got to pull the trigger to, to get over that slump. Um, the third thing is um, just practice shouldering your gun. Like whip it up, put it on a decoy's head, whip it up, put it on a decoy's head over and over. Just shoulder your gun and have it go on that. And now if you're at home, uh, one of the drills I like to do is you is you find an edge of a wall and you take your gun, you whip it up on the, on the wall and you follow that and trace it to a corner. Then you do another one, trace it to another corner. And you're just doing these 
these drills to like get yourself back into the act of shouldering, having the gun in the right position, having the barrel flat, all that kind of stuff. Cause usually that's something it's something you're either your face isn't down, your barrels, not level one of those kind of issues, maybe a skewed to the left or the right. Um, also check. And the last thing would be check the kind of clothes you're wearing. If you have like a, like a new pair of waders or like a jacket, sometimes like the waiter, strap or buckle or the way your jacket is or one time i started using a vest and the Mm. vest was just kind of weird or had another time i had a shirt where the pocket was the butt of the gun was getting stuck in the pocket um so there's all kinds of little things that you can do to get out of a shooting slump but like the biggest thing is you just need like a banger hunt um (laughs) yeah just need a banger hunt just get on a banger hunt yeah Uh, that's how you do it i've been on slumps before and by the end of a banger hunt like where you get to shoot a bunch you get yourself out of the slump so well yeah that that goes back to the mental thing all right so i kind of paired a lot of the same stuff you're talking about uh typically when i get in a shooting slump i take one of my what i'm going to call like my fun guns right so if i'm taking out my new age fangled semi-auto loader i'm gonna be honest i'm trying to go out and shoot birds right like that's the goal so when i get in a shooting slump i'll take out one of my older guns one of the old side-by-sides uh one of the old bolt action like marlin guns the ones that like when I take them out, my goal isn't to go shoot a pile of birds. My goal is to go kind of enjoy a hunt. And that kind of takes me out of that like mentality of when I miss a bird, I'm like mad about it because I'm not mad about it when I miss a bird with a hundred year old side by side. I'm just having a good time. You know, like it takes me into a different frame of mind and then go back to shooting the other gun when, you know, whenever I have my fun with the other stuff. Um, I also agree with uh, mounting a gun. I'm used to trap shoot competitively and what I would do is mount the gun into a mirror. And so that way you can see your eye in the mirror and that way you can mount the gun up with a rib looking straight down your eye. And then if you mount the gun 10 or 15 times, close your eyes, remount the gun up and see if you're looking straight and then open up your eyes and see if you're looking straight down the rib. Like it should be so muscle memory that you should be looking straight down the rib. And actually it's like the number one way that people miss birds in trap shooting is they don't mount the gun the same every single time. Like it's gotta be the same. Because on a shotgun, your rear sight, like on a rifle, you know, you have like the front post and your U-notch, however you want to do that. But on a shotgun, your rear sight is your eye. So if your eye isn't in the exact same place every single time, you will be inconsistent on like where you're shooting, where like where the shot goes. So that's, I'll agree with both of those things. Mounting the gun a lot and then um, making sure that you're switching guns if you have the ability to. I think a banger hunt's a little bit too much to ask, but that's just my (laughs) opinion. (laughs) Hey, but by the end of it, I'm not wrong because by the end of it, you'll be shooting birds. Yeah, well, you're not stressed out. Sure, sure. So you think stress is a big factor? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in my experience, for me personally, stress is a big deal. I get in like my own head. And that was the same when I was shooting trap. You know, I'd miss one target. And at the level that I was shooting, one target was the difference between first and like ninth place. So like you miss one target, all that's going through my head is I got to go put the gun back in the case because I pretty much wasted an hour truck ride and two boxes of shells to come out here and screw it up on this one bird. So like I get in my own head about it is what I, what I noticed, you know, after you get to a certain point, And again, this is trap shooting. After you get to a certain level of shooting, it's all between your ears. You know exactly what you're doing. Once you get it, like, I think they say it's like once you're shooting 90 birds out of a hundred pretty consistently after that, the last 10% is all between the ears. All righty. Here we go with the next one. So this one's a little bit of a hot take by Matthew Ashley. And he posts a picture of 
24.7 hunt and they these guys um are what is the right way to describe these guys they're definitely very unique to the duck hunting industry so they make like apparel um like like hip kind of um counter to normal duck hunting culture but like i'm not even saying in a negative way because his question is how much are these shoes ruining duck hunting um honestly i don't think they are if i'm just being honest on a first take like i'm i'm not like a um a f- like i'm not saying like in a negative way when i say i'm not a fan like i don't follow i don't follow hunt 24 7 um i actually i mean i do follow them on social media but like i'm not like following and watching all their videos and this kind of stuff um they make um rap songs about duck hunting is that the right term for the type of music yeah hip, rap hip, pop hip hop i don't know what, yeah hip hop hip hop style stuff is what i'm saying hip hop style um and i got buddies that love it i know like titus is like um posted reels with their music in the background and stuff like that i'm a, more of a, like a country fan so it doesn't like jive with me as well as like maybe some other people but like for me it's like hey they're just doing their thing I don't really think that that or like the post that he posted, the over commercialization of duck hunting is ruining it. Um, man, there's a lot of other commercialization too, opposed to just picking this out. So I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't bother me to be honest. They have like these sneakers with a dead mallard, which is kind of one of their logos. Um, so yeah, if it, I don't have any more, more of a hot take to take on that. It's just, it is what it is. And I don't think it's, it's just different. So, what you got anything to add to that? No, I mean, like, the broader picture is, like, is the over-commercialization, like, hurting duck hunting? And, I mean, like, I, I guess I don't quite understand how that works. Like, I don't understand the logic behind why the over-commercialization could be, like, I understand to a certain point it could be a bad thing, but, like, isn't the goal to have more more people that are in it? That means that there's companies that think that there's money in it, which means that there's an audience, which is what we want. Like I want more duck hunters as much as I don't want more hunters to be in my public areas. I do want more duck hunters overall. Right. They can all go to Kansas. Just don't come here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Leo says, how should you set up your floaters for geese and ducks or should you only set for one? How many Um, Leo, we're going to make, we've got enough questions about decoys. We're going to, we're going to make a decoy podcast for sure. That's going to be on our short list. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And then we got Josh, um, and he says, in your mind, experience, do you believe the quality of decoys you use matter? <laughs> Color, size, different head positions, and decoys. Um, I'll give the short answer, and then again, we will, uh, let's just tack this on to the decoy podcast. I think the short answer is yes, to, to some degree. Now, what to degree? Um, we can talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, is there like, is the best decoy better than like other top tier ones? You know? Some people probably would say yes. Some people would say no. Is it better than um, people that use, like in, in third world countries where they're using black pop bottles on like unpressured ducks that have never seen a person or been hunted before and they decoy into those? Okay. There's just a big difference between that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I do, think, I do think decoys matter. I do think, um, I mean, I haven't got buddies that don't want to like dip flocked head like goose decoys in the water when they're setting them up because they'll get frost on them. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can definitely see that as being a thing. So it does matter. Hmm. It's just to what degree is what your, what your argument is. Right. Okay. 
I, I mean, like I would agree with that. I also think that to a certain certain point, uh, you know, it's the old saying that like fishing lures are designed to catch fishermen, not fish. And like, there's a certain amount of that to a certain to a certain sure. point. I mean, is realism ever going to hurt you? No. Right. Right. Okay. So, Aaron, this is honestly probably my favorite question of the whole thing. He says, <laughs> what's the top five things Indiana hunters dislike about Midwest, mostly Kansas hunters? I got to look where Aaron's from because, believe it or not, Indiana was a Midwest state before Kansas. So, um, <laughs> you got to be where state first. But um, we're on, like, the far edge. Honestly, it's kind of funny because you grew up and, like, um, I think the first time I, I heard, like, Indiana – um described as like a midwest state uh i was watching like a basketball announcer and he was talking about like a midwest clash of you know two titans of school you know what are going on the school is like indiana versus wisconsin and like you know <clears throat> that's kind of mm-hmm. like the, one of the first times i heard indiana described as midwest honestly I had no idea that kansas and nebraska were also considered midwest because um so often you hear the states around you referred to Midwest states, but I think it all depends uh, where you live. So I did not beforehand make a top five list, but um, <laughs> it shouldn't be hard. <laughs> I will rip one hard. off top. Right. The fir- I mean, the first one I would say is that a lot of uh, Midwestern, I'll say yeah, Central Flyway, say Central, Central Flyway. Flyway. See, the thing is, when you say Midwest, it's like I don't hate too many things about Michigan hunters or. You know, my uh, my neighboring <laughs> brethren that all have to deal with like the same waterfowl conditions that I do. Um, but the people in like the waterfowl Mecca states like the Kansases and the Nebraska's and like for some reason, like the Dakotas don't bother me as much. Um, <laughs> but then like states like Iowa really get under my no, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> the Mississippi <laughs> River uh, brats of the Mississippi Flyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going on a rant now. But for real, I do feel like um, the the one thing that bothers me, the top thing that bothers me uh, about mostly Kansas and like Nebraska hunters is I feel like it's the lack of awareness of how good they have it. And they almost come across like elitist and purist about the ways they do it. And they don't realize that if the shoe was on the other foot and they had to hunt in states like Indiana or Michigan or it's just, it's just not the same. And so I was like, it's not a bad thing. I'm glad you guys have great duck hunting. I'm glad there's great duck hunters oh, over there in, in the central flyway. Um, oh boy. But, yeah. uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew that but, was coming. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I just think that the, there's a lack of perspective of, um, what, what duck hunting is like in, in other states and mm-hmm. like why hunters might hunt where like you can see like a few houses on a lake. Um, I mean, you just don't have, you don't have, you have way more population, um, way more pressure. And um, for that reason, way less opportunity to uh, do it, what they would consider like the right way or something like that. So um, I'll even put like Arkansas hunters and that mm-hmm. uh, we'll just throw everybody under the bus. <laughs> everybody <laughs> that's not me is what you're saying. All my bridges right now. So um, uh, 
I'll, t- I'll yeah. throw in here a little bit. So the first thing is I agree with like what, what Devin said here, where he said he's like jealous about how long their season is. And like this goes even more so for like the guys out in Idaho and Washington and stuff where they get like, what is it, 120 days, man? Dude, I, I would like. I would. It's 100 and it's below 110, but yeah. It, I would there. do disgusting things to have that long of a duck season, man. Like right now, I was telling you the other day, I'm sitting in a field. I were, our duck season's closed here. And I'm sitting there in a field goose hunting, and there's literally thousands and thousands of mallards flying over my head, working the spread all day. I don't have a single du- duck decoy out. I'm a single spinner. Don't don't even have my duck calls on my lanyard anymore. And there's just all these mallards working. And I drive by, and there's rafts of birds out in the river, which I like shooting divers. So I'm just like driving on the river, seeing these rafts, and like just it sucks. I hate it so much. But right. So I would agree with that, and I agree with you on the uh, the idea of like the lack of perspective. Cause there's certain things that like they, I shouldn't say they, cause they classifies everybody together. <laughs> certain people do. And it's like, this is fact. This is fact on how you have to do it. And it's like, bro, come here and mouth call and see how well that works out for you. Like right. seriously, right. like come here, come here with a, like come where I live with a kayak and see how many places you can actually hunt. Cause it's not very many in the right. places and you can else hunt has to pass those same spots. And yeah. Yeah. They're like, it, it's just, it's just, it doesn't work here. Right. And then people right. talk about it like it's fact. And it's like, you know, what's one thing that really gets under my nerves. This really bothers me when I watch a video from the central flyway and they walk across the marsh, like they're walking across a field that bothers me to no end. Cause every marsh we get in here is like knee deep mud. If you're lucky. If you're unlucky, right. it's thigh deep and like you're just stuck in it all the time. <laughs> and like I watch these guys like walk across the field. Essentially, it's knee deep water and they're walking across it. And I'm like, man, I would I would oh, kill so- to be able to duck hunt in a spot like that. Right. Well, when you go to North Dakota um, and I'm sure you'll make it there one of these years. But like all those potholes are like that, too, which is like you're so used to like having to test the ground and being real <laughs> careful when you it's like, no, they just like they like walk off the bank like they're walking on a bridge or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, like I keep a, a pole in my boat just for testing bottoms with before I jump out of it. When I get to a spot like, no, dude, I, that honestly, it, it shouldn't irk me that they have it like that, but it just <laughs> irks me that like I'm sitting here wallowing in mud and like, they just get a walk out and it's like right. perfectly fine. You know, right. like I won't shoot birds. Like this is a real thing. I won't shoot birds in certain areas because I know that it'll fall where I don't want to walk. Right. <laughs> and like it limits how many birds I can shoot because I don't want to go over there. Like that, that is a hole of endless mud and I don't want to deal an with Iowa it. thing right there. I'm going to give you crap on that one. <laughs> passing up shots because. <laughs> yeah, because I don't want to deal with it. Passing up shots. See, we don't pass up shots in Indiana or Michigan. Yeah, I know. And look at <laughs> we'll how that turned out for you. mud to get our only mallard of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look how that turned out for you on teal season the first time you were here. Yeah. You know, it worked out I'm, good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the it's end, but yeah, it's just like, there's this, I, I see that stuff. And then when I see them complain about like real thick vegetation, I look at it and I'm like, bro, I can see water. Like there ain't, that ain't thick. Like that ain't right. nothing. So but, here's another one. I'll put another one. And it kind of goes to the same, like elitist mentality. Um, but it's like people who, what's the right word? Like shame other people on social media. Like they post so I don't can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast, but it was in I think it was in one of the waterfowl groups, and this doesn't even have to be like Kansas or Nebraska. Although I do think that certain parts of the country are more guilty of it than others. Um, again, it goes to like the lack of perspective. 
Um, but like when people shame people for shooting something besides like all green, right? Mm. So this guy on social media, he posted a picture up in this Facebook group. He's all proud of his hunt. Um, and they shot their like three man limit of mallards. And it was like eight green heads and four hens or something. Um, and I think it might've been four people <clears throat> and it was like, you know, like 11 and like five or Mm-hmm. Or some like not not even like a terrible ratio, you know, of drakes to hens. And he's posting it, proud that they got on a great hunt. And like there was just this line of people through the comments that were just crapping on him for shooting so many hens. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I, I mean, honestly, I, I did comment. On it. I was like, like why, like why is that such a big deal to you? Like you don't know this guy's story. You don't know like how much he gets to hunt in a year. This could be the only limit he shoots all year. And all these people just giving them crap for shooting a handful for their group, shooting a handful of hens when it's like legal, you know, it's legal to do that. Um, they, they have biologists that go through and they make the bag limits. And so I know there's some people who say like, Hey, you kill a hen, that's X amount of ducks and this and that. But, um, yeah. So, but it's, 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 it does bother me when people are, um, crapping on somebody for mm. legally taking less than their legal amount of hens on a hunt. Mm-hmm. Might have to uh, come back to this, make a whole podcast about it after uh, Elliot's podcast drops Thursday. I guess tomorrow. One from one recording. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, there's not all. Honestly, I, I really, it's fun to like joke and have banter back and forth. But like at the end of the day, I don't like one thing that does bother me about duck hunters in general is like, um, it's like, um, duck hunters, like self cannibalize where mm-hmm. we, we go after our own too much. It's like, we need to band together, whether it's guys that are, you know, doing it the way we do it in Indiana or Michigan or guys that want to do it a certain way in Nebraska and Kansas. And that's honestly, I think that is part of the reason that, um, that I dislike like the elitist mentality, um, it's because it's, we're eating our own, you know, and, and mm-hmm. duck hunting numbers aren't growing why the population is growing. So as a percentage we're, you know, um, it's diminishing. So, you know, we need a strong voice in everything, whether it's conservation, whether it's, uh, politics, whether it's, um, the money that we bring forward to, um, to keep hunting alive and pass things through Congress and all that. So, um, uh, at the end of the day, I don't want to be part of that. I want to, you know, up. I want to uplift other hunters. So it's all right to joke, but at the end of the day, I do want to put that out there as well. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. Um, This is part one of a two-part series. We had enough good questions that we ended up um, making a second episode off of all the You Ask, We Answer series um, that we, we got. So, um, definitely stay tuned to that. We got some really good fiery ones coming up in the second part. But as always, um, just thanks for for uh, joining us. But remember the mission of the podcast, guys. Um, it is to um, entertain. It is to educate. Um, it's to help bring up new hunters. Um, you know, without the growth of the sport, without bringing new people in, um, then duck hunting will not be what it is now in the future. And uh, the same thing goes for conservation as well you know find find the right organization for you whether it's ducks unlimited or delta or any other conservation 
group out there for waterfowl. Um, it's definitely definitely hugely important that we uh, conserve uh, wetlands and conserve the sport of duck hunting. So um, that's all we got for today, guys. I'm Jordan, Duck and Chronicles, Hunter from Iowa, and we'll see you guys on the next one.